everybody. Welcome back to the DK Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, my friend and co-host, Dale Lolly. He's back on the show after a long, hard-working weekend, getting all the stories, being in Heinz Field, doing all the great things. Dale, how you feeling, my man? I'm doing good, Chris. How you doing? I'm doing just great. Now, Dale, I talked about the game a lot on yesterday's show. I talked about how Ben Roethlisberger was on fire. I talked about how the offense was figuring things out. The defense was, you know, was able to, you know, go send the Bengals 0 of 13 on third downs. I wanted to ask you, you saw in this game, the pass rush for the Steelers, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like, you know, a game where they put up seven or eight sacks like we've seen in years past, like how they did this, the Bengals last year. But it was still a sense that you that you could see that Joe Burrow was feeling it every play. They finished with four sacks in the game, and it was still a great defensive performance all around. Yeah, I mean, you know, when you look at it, Chris, they uh, a lot of times rushed four, they, uh, sometimes three. They were dropping guys into coverage in an attempt to uh, – to confuse Joe Burrow, I thought that they did a nice job of that. Uh, all you need to do is look at his numbers on third down, three for 11 for 10 yards. Uh, his numbers in the second half, five of 15 for 24 yards. Uh, they, they took it to him, uh, even though they didn't get a bunch of sacks. I think they had uh, uh, at least nine quarterback hits, uh, despite not uh, bringing all the pressure. Um, they trusted their, their pass rush, their, their front four to get there, and they played uh, coverage on the back end. How much of the lack of, you know, bringing those extra guys do you think was part of Mike Hilton not being there and part of they trust Cameron Sutton to do a little bit more in coverage? Uh, and also worth to point out, this is the third straight week which Cameron Sutton has forced a fumble in a game. Uh, I think that, that that's something that is being, isn't being talked about a lot, but uh, it's a really good showing for him filling in for Hilton when he's been hurt. Well, you know, I, I think a lot of it just has to do with playing two inexperienced quarterbacks the last two weeks, and they, they wanted to drop guys into coverage and make things difficult on them that way. Um, you know, it, it, you also have to look at uh, the two receiving groups for the Cowboys and, and the Bengals. Um, you know, if you're going to leave your guys on an island against uh, you know wide receivers like that, they're going to get beat a lot. Uh, you know, so, you know, I, I think you really have to pick your spots. I think they're doing a nice job of picking and – and choosing how they attack teams, you know, whether they play coverage, whether they go after the quarterback. Um, you know, I think this week against Jacksonville, you may see a little bit more of that, even, you know, more of the same because, you know, why why give up the big plays, um, you know, if, if you don't have to? I know they did give up the one 54-yard uh, catch to uh, T. Higgins in this game, but that was a blown coverage. That was a blown assignment. Um, you know, if, if you're going to leave your guys in man-to-man coverage, all the time in the back end, like we saw the first few weeks of the season, you're going to give up some of those plays down the field. Whereas, you know, I think uh, in this game, it was all about making the Bengals uh, matriculate the ball down the field slowly uh, and, and, you know, waiting for Joe Burrow to make a a rookie mistake. Yeah, I I agree with that. And, And he didn't throw an interception in this game, but he certainly wasn't able to really get any drives going. They got that one play on the deep ball, like you said. And outside of that, um, they handled the the Bengals' offense. I wanted to get for you to, you to talk to our audience about what the safeties were doing on the back end because neither Minka Fitzpatrick nor Terrell Edmonds registered a pass defense or an interception. But Edmonds led the game with eight t- tackles. 
Uh, you could see Minka Fitzpatrick in some of the, uh, when they showed the replays, his moving around and that confusing Joe Burrow on one of TJ Watt's sacks. Um, and you, you put this GIF in your, in your postgame story. Uh, you could see the Steelers show the two high safeties and they dropped to one high safety. And then it was Minka Fitzpatrick coming down underneath and taking away Joe Burrow's hot read. Just you were there at the game. You got to see what the Steelers were doing. How much were they moving those safeties around? Yeah, I mean, it was kind of, it was almost like a, a Troy Polamalu-like kind of defense where they were, you know, moving guys around right at the snap and forcing Burrow to, to hold the ball. Obviously, he, you know, he's had a good uh, rapport with Tyler, uh, with Tyler Boyd. And, you know, they kind of took Tyler Boyd away. He had six catches, but it was for like 48 yards. Um, you know, it just was not a big factor in this game because they kept uh, – made sure that, that they took that outlet away. A.J. Green's not what he once was. Uh, Higgins is a nice young receiver, uh, but again, you know, he had uh, 54 of his yards on that one catch. Yep. Um, otherwise, you know, he really didn't uh, hurt the Steelers all that badly. And again, you go back to 0 for 13 on third downs and uh, 10 points allowed. If you if you have more uh, forced or, or if you, you force uh, uh, more third down non-conversions than you give up points, you had a good day on defense. <laughs> Certainly. And, and I think it's also worth it to talk about because A.J. Green, he finished the game with five targets, zero receptions. Um, you saw Joe Hayden out there a lot. He was really combating all over the field, especially early in the first half. He had three breakups early in this game. Um, it, it really looked like the Steelers' secondary. They've talked about how they've been working on the little things week by week and getting better at certain things. It really seemed like Joe Hayden and the cornerbacks really put that together with presenting Joe Burrow with those really tight passing windows. Yeah, and I, I think they, you know, they played to the wind and they played to Burrow's lack of uh, overall arm strength. He's a, he's a nice, talented young quarterback, but the one thing that he doesn't have is a big arm. And so, you know, knowing that, you could, you could uh, press up a little bit more, uh, you know, from the cornerback position and force him to try to fit the ball into some tight windows, uh, which was difficult in the, the way the wind was blowing out there. I mean, it seemed like it was a good plan because it worked. Um, and I think it's something that maybe the Steelers in the near future could try to replicate. They've got plenty of other young quarterbacks facing, including uh, Jake Luton from the Jaguars in this upcoming matchup. Um, I, I think that the, the Steelers, they're really putting together, again, several different ways to beat you, several different ways to win on both sides of the ball. We talked a lot about the defensive side of the ball in this segment. We're going to take a break, but when we come back, We'll talk more about the offensive side of the ball and what they've been doing balance-wise right after this. On the DK Steelers podcast, I'm your host, Chris Carter, here with my friend and co-host, Dale Lolly. Dale, we got to talk more about this offense because Ben Roethlisberger, I, and I went over this more in, the, in, the, in, in, last, in yesterday's show, you know, he did 300 yards, uh, four touchdowns, zero interceptions. He has the fifth most touchdown passes in the NFL right now. Um, I, I, I look at this team and – 
early on in the season, over, over the first six games, they were averaging over 130 yards on the ground. The last three games, they've been averaging less than 50 on the ground. And somehow still this offense is finding ways to get going each and every game. Yeah, and a lot of it is that, that uh, you know, a five receiver look or four, you know, four receivers and a tight end or, or, you know, four receivers and a running back, however they choose to do it. Uh, we saw a lot of different looks out of that package on Sunday. And, I, you know, I look, people were getting caught up in the, in the rushing numbers. They didn't run the ball a lot against Dallas or Baltimore because they were behind in those games. Uh, in this game against the Bengals, uh, you know, as soon as Mackenzie Alexander went out uh, in the first quarter, it was on. Uh, you know, the Bengals were already short on cornerbacks. And so the Steelers just decided, you know what? They're short on cornerbacks. We've got lots of receivers. Let's put them on the field and let's uh, let Ben uh, carve them up. He, you know, they had some some good matchups. They went after the slot cornerback who replaced Alexander uh, with a lot of success. And, you know, I, I, I just think that's, that's a way to possess the football and, and move the football. I don't know that there's a team out there that can stop that. You know, we've seen it work against Baltimore. Baltimore probably has the best and deepest group of cornerbacks in the league, and they couldn't stop it. Um, you know, I just think it's a, it, it's, it plays to today's NFL. Um, you know, the, the league is set up to, to throw the football. The league is set up to allow uh, the passing games to function. And so the Steelers have, you know, look, five legitimate NFL wide receivers uh, six, if you count uh, Ebron in there, and that's what he is, is a big wide receiver. Mm -hmm. um, so why not throw the football? I mean, it certainly seems to have worked when they've needed it. What do you say to the criticism that we are hearing? People say that the Steelers' run game has been non-existent the past few games, and they're going to be in trouble when they face a team like the Chiefs in the playoffs, and they need to run the clock and they, if they can't run the ball. Well, they possessed the football more than the Bengals did yesterday uh, using that exact formula. Um, it, when you play the Chiefs, the idea is to score more points than the Chiefs. Um, you know, I think you can also trust the Steelers' defense to come up with some big plays to get the, you know, get the stops that they need. Look, I, you know, I, it, it should all at this point be about what do you need to do to beat the Chiefs. And to beat the Chiefs, you're going to have to put up more than 35 points probably in that game. They're going to score some. You're not going to you know, have them standing on the side. It doesn't even matter if they are standing on the sidelines. But you can try to limit possessions in the football game. At the same time, you better be scoring at the end of, of, of all your drives. And if that, if that means that you've got to come out passing against the Chiefs, then you do it. I mean, I can remember back a few years ago when they played Andrew Luck, uh, and Andrew Luck was at the height of his powers, and the Steelers came out, and they just kept the pedal to the metal the entire game and put up 50 points against that Colts team. Luck scored 34, I think it was, you know, 50-something to, to 34, and they won the football game. Um, you know, this is a – the defense, there's no such thing as a shutdown defense in today's NFL. doesn't exist. Uh, but what you can do as a defense is make big plays. And if you can make big plays and get some stops on third down, you can win that way too. It doesn't have to be, uh, you know, four or five yards in a cloud of dust. I'll also say this, that, you know, if you take away the two – negative runs the big negative runs that Connor had uh, was a minus five uh, yard gain and a minus six yard gain uh he had 11 carries for 47 yards hmm. that's not bad 
Um, they just need to adjust the way that they're running the ball when they choose to run it. And that would be more uh, straight ahead power runs. These, these outside, uh, you know, uh, you know, having guards pull and traps and those kind of things because of the way that they're throwing the football uh, in my opinion, you know, when you look at that game uh, in the gift that I had in my, in my 10 thoughts today, there were 10 guys within five yards of the line of scrimmage when that ball was snapped. Opposing teams are watching what the Steelers do. They see Ben Roethlisberger getting the ball out of his hands quickly. Mm-hmm. Their adjustment to that is going to be, let's get guys up, let's press, let's just get up, maybe not necessarily press the receivers, but let's get up on them so he can't have these easy four- and five-yard completions and runs after the catches. Well, you're bringing the defense into the box, and so that's going to open up the downfield, you know, the deep passes, which we saw a bunch of those. And it's also going to gum up the run game when you try to run these slow developing plays. And I think that's the thing is that also when you call those type of run plays, when that guard pulls immediately, it tells all those people that are standing in that box, run, flow, run. And they're coming downhill. And, and, and that makes it so much harder for an offensive line to set the tone against guys that are doing that. I, I, I think, and I know a lot of people criticize Randy Feekner every week, but I think that this is a legitimate concern. Like, Hey, what if the Steelers go with a more of a zone running concept where it's less about telegraphing where you're going with the run game and maybe say like, Hey, you know what? We're just going to, we're, we're going to come out in this base look three wide receivers, tight end running backs playing sidecar with Ben in the shotgun. And then you just kind of, kind of have to play a guessing game with us. If your guys are loaded up and loaded up in the box, we're throwing it. If you guys start to back off, that's when we start hitting you with the run. And then you're not coming downhill. Our offensive line is getting the set, and or maybe it's even a draw, and then that gives James Conner or whoever's back there a chance to get a head start and plow forward, maybe get four or five yards, and that brings the uh, the, the run game back. Yeah, I agree, and I you know I think that you know one of the things that you missed by having such an early bye week is that self assessment period that that takes place by the coaching staffs during the bye week. Um, you know, maybe they can do this on the fly. Maybe they'll be able to do this uh, and self-assess a little bit during the weekend that they have after after they play the Ravens on Thanksgiving uh, because it's tough to do that during the middle of the season right. um, when you're trying to drop game plans for that next opponent. Uh, there are only so many days and so many hours in the week. Um, you know, so I, I imagine there'll be some of that uh, self-assessment that goes on that weekend, and they'll figure these things out that what's working, what's not working, I know, I know fans say, well, this is easy to see that's not working. That's not true. Right. Uh, you know, every time something happens, uh, well, they never do this or they always do this. And it's just never, it's never the case. It doesn't always go one way or the other. Uh, but I think you figure out things that are working better than others and some things that aren't working as well as others. No, I agree with you. I think that they're um... – I think, I think that that's the thing is that there's, t- there's times you have to do that evaluation period. Um, they haven't had that on top of a bye week just to get some rest behind them so that they can kind of get, you know, regroup, recharge, and get back out there with fresh legs. Um, but, you know, I, I, look, I look at the run game, and I see, I see the potential for it to be there. Uh, and, again, it was there early in the season, Dallas. This isn't like this, this, the, 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 the lack of a running game has been a thing. Again, they averaged over 130 yards over the first six games, and if you take away the Titans game, it's even more. Um, you know, I, I look at this run game, but one, th- one thing that I've made the comparison to a few people for um, is that when you look at this team and you compare it 
to the last time the Steelers won a Super Bowl, if the running game was to be, you know, not there. When, when the Steelers won a Super Bowl in 2008, the offensive line was horrible. And uh, that, that rushing attack, they averaged – they were 29th in yards per carry uh, it, it, that, that season. Uh, and the running game wasn't a factor. I mean, Willie Parker became, you know, that everyone, every Steelers fan from that time remembers this saying like, you know, oh, I wish that, you know, we should get back to Steelers football. And Mike Tomlin says, you know, well, we have five Lombardis, not five rushing titles. Um, and then, of course, though, in that Chargers game that year, the rushing game returned. And, you know, they used it when, it, when they needed it. Uh, but it wasn't a sense of, you know, dread like, oh, they'll never be able to win a playoff game without a supreme ground game. And again, like we've been saying, this ground game can get back to it. It's just, you know, they, they just need to make some adjustments. Yeah, I agree. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see. Maybe it may, it may not even matter. Who knows? Uh, but I, they have been able to run the ball when they've really wanted to run the football, um, you know, for the most part. Um, you know, again, I, I think uh, Connor is – is a, a decent starting running back. I think, you know, they, they wanted to get back to allowing him to be the bell cow. They kind of got away from that uh, against Baltimore and Dallas. Um, you know, let's see what it looks like against Jacksonville this week. Certainly. Um, it's, a, it's a road test for the Steelers, and it's going to be a road test for Dale. He's going to be back on the road. Um, but uh, we'll be talking more about that matchup as the week rolls on. Dale, thanks so much for coming on the show. Guys, we'll be back in just a bit with Don't Get Me Started after this. Welcome back to the DK Steelers podcast. I'm Chris Carter, and you're listening to Don't Get Me Started. Don't get me started with the people coming after James Conner right now. This is Don't Get Me Started, the rant segment of the DK Steelers podcast. Um, So this is partially coming off of where Dale and I were talking about the run game in the last segment because I I just, I don't, you know, I saw a lot of people going after Conner saying, oh, he's he's dancing too much. Um, I saw that part of this was, you know, there was, there was people talking, even Jonathan Vilma was saying it during the game. Well, of course, Jonathan Vilma was saying a lot of things during the game. That, that was also some of the worst commentating I've ever seen. I could do a whole segment off of him alone. Um, but I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do all that. But I, I'm going to stick with the Steelers here. Because James Conner is not, people need to understand, he's not Le'Veon Bell. He's not Alvin Kamara. He's not a player that creates things that aren't there. He's a guy that when you give him a hole, he takes it, and when he gets to the second level, that's where he does his damage. And this year, he's protected the football. And people need to realize that when things aren't popping right now, you know, again, we, the Steelers less than 50 yards per carry, for the past, or not per carry, per game for three straight games, that's rough. That stinks. That's horrible. Uh, but people want to rush to the running back position. Um, and again, James Conner, it'd be different if he was a first-round pick 
or if he was an all-pro type of guy. We know he's not. We know he's a he's an above-average running back. Um, and he's a good downhill runner, and he catches the ball well, and he protects Ben Roethlisberger well. And those are things that make him above-average, really. Um, other, otherwise, he is average. He makes guys miss at the second level, but behind the line of scrimmage, you're asking a lot. Now, thing is, is that, you know, the Steelers with the two, if you look at the two plays where Dale mentioned where James Conner lost five yards and lost six yards, both plays, the Steelers are blown up on each edge. And that is not a James Conner problem. That is a offensive line getting beat at the point of attack problem. Some of it can be attributed to the play call going too much east and west and giving the defense too much of a chance to get downhill and establish and establish the terms of engagement. Some of it's also just needing to perform better at certain spots. But James Conner can't take yards that ain't there. He's not a superstar running back. The Steelers don't have that. They let that go two years ago. And... Maybe they get it sometime in the future. Maybe they invest a third-round pick in the running back position this upcoming year, and they find a guy who works out for them. But that's not who they got right now. And they don't need that right now. They just need the offensive line to get back to what it was doing. And both Dale and I think it can. But I want to remind you guys of, you know, people said, used to say the same thing about Rashard Mendenhall. Remember, he was drafted in 2008. It didn't, you know, and then he wasn't putting up huge numbers. And even in 2010, you saw, you know, you, you saw he he would put, he would play, he would take the yards that were there, but he wouldn't be, you know, he he couldn't be a consistent super run game producer because the Steelers didn't have an offensive line. And and the first time you really saw that start to produce for him was when they got Marquise Pouncey in 2010. And then after that, years later, that when they got DeCastro and he became a, uh, you know, he started to build that chemistry with Pouncey. That's when you saw the run game start to really ignite for the Steelers. But I, I think it's trying to be too simplistic by saying by going after James Conner right now for the Steelers' run woes. This right now is, is a mix of teams selling out to stop the run when they see it coming and the offensive line just not being good right now. Because all those two plays, and Dayon is going to write about them in his next columns, I gave him, I, I set him up with the film. But uh, on those two plays, you see on one end, Villanueva just gets completely destroyed on his side. When Marquise Pouncey goes to pull an attack, he runs into Villanueva's man because his, his whole side's been destroyed. Then on the other play, DeCastro pulls and it looks like Pouncey follows. And a court not only does a core four lose at his spot at the point of attack, but DeCastro gets whipped. I mean, he he he's pulling. He's supposed to be the guy that meets the guy on the edge and drive, use that to build momentum and drive him forward. DeCastro gets pushed backward, and then that stops Pouncey from getting out there. And then James Conner is being swarmed. That's the issue here: the offensive line not winning at the point of attack right now, and. and it's not that they can't. Again, I think it's just that it's going to take time. It's going to take, you know, working on that. So don't don't put this all on James Conner. 
don't say, oh, they, they need to start going with Benny Snell or Anthony McFarlane. And, and I think they will you know, rotate those guys in more. But James Conner's taking what's there. He's doing a great job of protecting Ben Roethlisberger in the pocket. Whenever he's that sidecar guy, he is, he is stepping up in the hole and he's taking shot after shot and he's delivering shot after shot on pass rushers. And if Ben calls his number to catch the ball, he catches the ball. I think that that uh, you're. I think at some point, and, and mark my words, right here, right here on this on this, don't get me started rant. James Conner is going to come through for this team later this season. He came through them for them early in the season. I think the running game is going to return at some point in a in a late game this season where they need it for for whatever reason. The passing game's not working. Maybe Ben's a little banged up. Maybe the receivers are feeling off that day. Or maybe they just want to run the clock out, and it's going to come back, and then everyone's going to be like, ah, oh, there it is. And people are going to forget about this slump. And I'm telling you, just be patient. And it also, I don't think that this is a group that needs the running game to be successful. I mean, they're a top five offense in the league right now with without it for the past three weeks. Still putting up good points. Ben is a field general. Let him be the field general. But don't come down, come after James Conner right now. That ain't the answer. Offensive line got some things to figure out. And, I, and again, they're very figure-outable, if that's a word. So take my word of advice. Take a chill pill. Remember your team's 9-0. And remember that this is a temporary problem. And that if you look back over the past four or five years, they've run into these temporary problems with the run game. And then they've been able to fix them. So just be patient. See what they put together. They got the Jaguars on the road this week. They got the Ravens after that at home. I really think that this is a chance for the Steelers to figure it out over the next few weeks. And eventually you'll see it come back. And the running game will be there and the passing game will be there. And the biggest thing is when the playoffs come, if both are on point and the defense is still playing well, that's when this team will be scary. And they're scary right now without it. But... I mean, scary so that the Chiefs or anybody should be should be on the on the watch out for them. But y'all got me started, and this is don't get me started here on the DK Steelers podcast. Thanks so much for listening to these for the show here. We've got a lot of great things on the podcast network here. Um, be sure be sure to subscribe to what we're doing here. We're on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere podcasts are hosted. Also, subscribe to DKPittsburghSports.com. It's $4.99 for a, for a month. It's $39.99 for the year. It's a great subscription service that gets you all of our great premium content, all of our all our stuff on the website on Pitt, Duquesne, Penn State, Steelers, Pirates, Penguins, all that great stuff right on the website for you. Uh, this has been the DK Steelers Podcast. Leave us a five-star review, a positive comment. We'll be back in your ears tomorrow talking more on your Steelers.